Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly podcast, bringing you energy matters from home offices across Europe in these coronavirus times. My name is Richard Swarzen and today we're talking carbon and the EU ETS to be specific. I'm joined by Bernadette Papp of Vertis. Welcome back to the pod, Bernadette. Hello Richard and welcome also to the listeners. How are you doing in Budapest, Bernadette? Having exciting times to be honest, mm. and uh, wondering about those uh, strange uh, movements in, in all the markets around the world, like uh, in oil and also in carbon. We'll get to those very soon, but I'd like to start talking about volatility. I mean, carbon is notoriously volatile, but the last few weeks have been dramatic, as well as uh, other markets, as, as which you've mentioned. So what are your expectations for the coming weeks? Will we continue to trade in this in this sort of 10 uh, euro spread? To be honest, uh, what I can almost guarantee for the next couple of days and weeks even is that volatility remains with us. And I think that those who are part of uh, the carbon market since the beginning have or got used already to, to this volatility, but the reason behind was always different. First, we had the legal uncertainty with all the reforms. And uh, then we had also volatility because of our fundamentals. And right now we have the volatility because of the COVID pandemic. There are different reasons, but you can see that due to the fact maybe that it is still a relatively small market compared to bond market or FX or even stock markets, it is very sensitive in a sense that even one news or like we have seen it in the past, one tweet can increase the volatility mm. in this market. So you expect this volatility to continue. But if we can return to the current prices over, say, the last few days. Yes. Is it all about France now? EDF has announced that its output, that nuclear output will be will be far reduced this year and next year even as well, possibly. And it's it's also revised up its maintenance schedule. So is this is the carbon price reacting to this because of expectations that gas will come in even some coal? To, to replace the lost nuclear production? To me, it seems that the news uh, about EDF and the announcements, actually the company made two announcements within two weeks, all uh, signaling that nuclear capacity would be reduced. And um, there is a market assumption that the capacities would be replaced by some kind of fossil uh, fuel, either gas or coal, mm. either within France or imported from other countries, like, for example, Germany. Mm. However, what was surprising to me, actually, that even before the announcements from EDF, uh, the carbon market was definitely resilient. And um, I was also looking to, to that and, and why this might have happened. And uh, I have several assumptions, actually. Mm -hmm. First of all, we should not forget that we are in the last days of, of compliance, Mm -hmm. Actually, there is one week left for compliance entities to purchase allowances. In the last couple of days, this might have been one of the reasons that supported the price. 
On the other hand, there is also, let's say, a little bit brighter outlook for the next months mm -hmm. by governments announcing lifting lockdown measures, step by step, of course. So I'm definitely sure that uh, we, we won't just get back to the factories, open the doors, and everybody just uh, restarts working like we did, let's say, at the end of February, so before the lockdown measures. But um, uh, data provided by energy providers, by power providers, already signal that the economy is, is coming back step by step. For example, what we have seen in the last couple of, of days is that Germany and Italy already increased their power demand. In France and Spain, uh, power demand is, is still stagnating. Of course, this is valid if we compare the data, let's say, to, to March. In a year-on-year -year comparison, we still see lower power demand in, in these countries. However, the signals are promising, let's say, and sooner or later, we will see also maybe positive news from, from the manufacturing and industrial sectors. Although today is not really the day for that, because in the morning we have seen purchasing manager indices from the manufacturing sector released in several countries of Europe, or, uh, including the Eurozone. And unfortunately, all of them were disappointing, so below expectations. These are the figures from Thursday. We are recording uh, the day before we publish the, the podcast. But what's the, what's the outlook here, you think, going forward? I mean, do you expect a recovery? There are signs, you know, factories are starting, starting to reopen. You see some of the car manufacturers uh, restarting production. What do you think, uh, then, is the shape of the recovery here, uh, Bernadette? Yeah, there are different assumptions from U to, to W, even to L-shape recovery, uh, if we can call that a recovery at all. I'm rather voting for a U-shape or even W-shape, mm -hmm. uh, simply due to the fact that, as I've mentioned, the recovery can be done only step by step with all the precautionary measures having in place at the factories, which means the companies have to guarantee uh, social distancing, also the disinfectation of uh, the tools that people are using. It will take time. So according to my experience, at least what happens in, in my country, in Hungary, some factories started operating again, but they work approximately at 20, 25 percent of their capacities, okay, yeah, yeah. simply because because they all have to guarantee these precautionary measures. And also, it's very important that they are waiting and they want to see what about the demand for their products. This is a huge uncertainty at the moment because we have seen all those announcements from the governments. They would like to keep the jobs. They support the companies. But what about the demand side of the market? Mm. Will there be a demand for those products or do people get more cautious mm. and do not consume that much in the future? This is still something that we do not know. Mm. Also, what causes a big uncertainty that due to the fact that we still do not have the vaccine, there can be a second wave of the um, uh, virus at any time. And this is why I think that 
a V-shaped recovery is is really unlikely. Mm. Companies and governments are very cautious with restarting their economies. And this is the main reason, I'm afraid, they all would like to avoid a second wave of the pandemic. Absolutely. I mean, those are, those are the key issues here from the from industrial side, uh, Bernadette. But if we return to the carbon market, what are your expectations for, for prices this year? I mean, we've gone down to 14. We've been up, you know, around, you know, 25, 24, 25. What, what's your expectations for, for, for prices for the months, months ahead? Yeah. If you ask for my opinion, I would say that carbon price is around 14, 15 euros. So the fall towards those levels was overdone, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just like reaching 22.55 last Friday with uh, the benchmark contract also seemed to be overdone a little bit. So I think that the April average that is around 20 euros, if mm-hmm. we take into consideration the settlement price of the DAC20 contract, is a quite good approximation. And I expect the price to oscillate mm-hmm. around this level depending on the news. So as you can see, the market is really news-driven. Mm-hmm. At the moment, and I'm definitely sure that any news about another increase in the new cases of the virus could drive the price below 20 euros. But companies reporting higher power demand, higher demand for products from the manufacturing sector, for example, could lift the price step by step even higher. On the other hand, I would also like to mention two additional factors that have quite a big impact these days on the carbon price. One is the long-term outlook. And I think that this also explains why the price didn't fall, let's say, even below 14 euros in the big panic, in the big sell-off. And this is the fact that All market participants are aware of the reforms this market is facing already from next year. Mm. Actually, the market stability reserve that reduces the supply is operational already. Mm. So part of the surplus that is created by the current pandemic can be absorbed by the market stability reserve Mm. next year. This is one thing that provides a very strong support to the price because no other market has this automatic mechanism. Because we have the oil market, we've mentioned in the beginning. And also there we have the OPEC, which even widened its circles Mm. because these days it became OPEC plus Mm. already. And they can intervene. But this is rather political decision-making and negotiations. The market stability reserve is there, it's a low, Mm. and it's an automatic mechanism that operates in the market. I think this is a big difference. Absolutely. It's important to have the long-term perspective here as well. Uh, you're absolutely right. But if I understand you correctly, we're more likely to, to be around 20 euros a tonne for carbon rather than fall below 14 towards 10, for example. Yeah, I really doubt. Because on the other hand, if you really want to look long-term, we should not forget that those reforms we know about at the moment have been adopted, taking into consideration an EU emission reduction target of 40% by 2030. But we know very well that we have a green deal on the table in the EU, 
aiming for climate neutrality by 2050. And this implies also a higher emission reduction target by 2030. That has to be translated also into the EU ETS. Mm. And uh, in the next couple of months, maybe beginning of, of next year, because also the negotiations could slow down because of the pandemic, mm. we might see a higher linear reduction factor in the EU ETS for phase four, meaning that the overall volume available in the ETS could decrease for the compliance entities. Mm, absolutely. So I think that that this is something most of the market participants are aware of, and this knowledge provides support to the carbon price. And this is why I'm, I'm really skeptical about the carbon price falling below 14 and towards 10 euros again. But do you think then the delay to these kind of reforms or the Green Deal uh, more generally is likely given the pandemic? What has been made clear by the European Commission is that the negotiations about the 2030 deal or part of the deal that aims the increase of the emission reduction target for 2030 are on track. Mm. What might be delayed are rather the long-term steps and the measures that aim the 2050 climate neutrality. But I think that the delay is uh, rather limited. And what we have seen in the carbon market also in the past was that the market tends to price in upcoming reforms or negotiated reforms already before they get adopted. Absolutely. So if we stick to the policy uh, issues here, what do you make of, of noises coming from certain Eastern European countries, Estonia, Poland, even the Czech Republic, calling for potentially a, a suspension of the ETS or even they, some of these countries are threatening to draw back from the ETS. What do you make of these? Can we take them seriously? I wouldn't take it seriously, uh, to be honest. So this is an EU system. And of course, if one country or the other would like to withdraw from the system, it would need the approval of the other countries. So one country cannot just decide on its own about withdrawing from the system. What we have seen in the last couple of weeks, just due to the pandemic, that some countries have been not relaxing the rules, but being more tolerant, let's say, with uh, their installations, with their compliance entities. For example, the German authority notified their installations that uh, they will check uh, one by one, case by case, for example, uh, situations if companies were not able to report their verified emissions by the deadline. Mm. Also, if companies are not able to surrender the allowances by the compliance deadline, which is next Thursday, uh, the 30th of April, then authorities now will check one by one why this happened. If the company has been heavily impacted by the pandemic, then I think that authorities can be more relaxed on, on the rules. We know that in theory, this 100 euro per each non-surrendered EUA fine would apply to the companies. Maybe local authorities can be a little bit more relaxed 
on punishing the installations. So there are tools that governments and, and countries can apply to alleviate the burden on their companies, but leaving the EU ETS is not an option, in my opinion. I think that's clear. There will be some leniency here with, with uh, facilities and with companies. But do you expect, like, once once we're kind of on the other side of, of this outbreak, do you think then that the focus will be on recovery? Do you think there's a danger that boosting the green transition or to, to decarbonize, the focus on decarbonization factors may fall by the wayside or go on the back burner? I think that uh, it would be a welcome development if all the funds, EU and the governments, already decided about or are negotiating at the moment, like, for example, today in the afternoon, we have um, the big European Council meeting in the afternoon discussing billions of euros being released to the uh, European countries, to European member states. So if all these, or at least a big part of, of this money would be spent on um, the decarbonization of the economy, it would be a welcome development, I think, for all of us, uh, speaking also from, from a personal perspective. What we have seen in the past already that the decarbonization in the power sector has started already before we were hit by the pandemic. So 19 verified emissions data are the best example for that. Also, most of the European member states have already a target year by which they would like to close all coal-fired power plants. So the decarbonization of the power sector is, in my opinion, on track. Mm. There have been, of course, voices saying that with the decline in oil prices, gas prices and coal prices, this might slow down simply because um, these fossil fuels get favorable or get uh, appealing mm. for the power plants again. I doubt it, I have to say, just because the process has started already and it's very difficult to reverse that. Mm. So um, I think the power sector is on a good track mm. to decarbonize. The next step is the industrial sector, of course. And here I think that all the measures and all the steps the EU, the European Commission and the individual member states consider could be a big help. Of course, I think your next question is what could then be the impact on the carbon market mm. and the carbon price. Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely, Bernadette. You beat me to it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now again, I come to the point, the key point in this, which is the market stability reserve. So in theory, we have here this automatic mechanism that is able to absorb the surplus that is being created in the market mm. automatically. Of course, these changes won't happen from one day to the other. It takes time, like the market stability reserve does not take the allowances from the market from one day to the other either. We always have to wait one year until the verified mm. emissions are published. And uh, the European Commission calculates the surplus figure, the total number of allowances in circulation, and then the volume, the market stability reserve absorbs from the auction volume is defined. So 
everything takes takes time, but it's a smooth mm-hmm. process, and I think it should remain like that. Otherwise, uh, absorbing allowances from the market from one day to the other might cause a shock to the market, and everybody would like to avoid sudden jumps in this market. Exactly. That's absolutely fair enough. And I mean, if I just want to, to round up with a final question, talking about sudden jumps or sudden declines, a lot of that was driven by speculators. Do you think they will return to the market this year? There is a good possibility because if the carbon stays volatile, volatility is something speculators really like. Mm. Especially those, maybe we can, we can even, even differentiate between speculators who have a long term view on the carbon market. And for them, for example, prices below 20 euros might be a good entry level. If they really think long term and for those investing uh, just short term, volatility is always appealing. So I think they will be present in the carbon market also in the future. Perfect, Brenda. I'm sure we'll return to these topics later in the year when we're maybe at the top end of the uh, U or W shaped uh, recovery. But um, thank you very much for joining the Montel Weekly Podcast today. Thank you very much for having me, Richard. That's all from us this week, listeners. Remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.